I hope that uh, all of you who are new to Jesus are enjoying your journey so far with Jesus as you're coming to encounter him, uh, hopefully in a new way. And uh, there was a lot that happened in the first service, and so I was busy backstage adding things to my notes uh, because we have a lot to talk about today, which I'm really excited about uh, diving into uh, a little bit of a deeper focus on worship today, a little bit different than we've explored in the last uh, few weeks because we are in a series called Abide, a people apprenticed to Jesus in worship. And so for seven weeks, we've been looking at seven different postures of worship, uh, how we're coming hungry and thankful, uh, hungry and thirsty, thankful, surrendered, in awe, filled with the Spirit. And I hope that this has been an important journey for you as you and I are learning how to worship uh, the Lord. And what I'd love to do is invite you to our final two Abide Nights of Worship. Those are happening the next two Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. If you haven't been out, please come. It's literally just an hour of worship. We have prayer ministry on the side, but we would love to, to welcome you to come out. Every time I go to Abide, there's some different theme that God is kind of working in my heart. And uh, so they're important evenings together as we learn to worship. And today what we're doing is we're exploring a form of worship called Lament. Lament. How do I worship God when I'm angry, sad, lonely, fearful, and deeply disappointed? <clears throat> How do I do that? How am I supposed to approach God when I'm feeling those things? And today we actually have many in the room who might be feeling some deep sadness because Hart Waldy, uh, part of our church family, he passed away a couple days ago. Some of you know Hart. Uh, Hart and his wife Kathy have been part of our church family since 1987. They were part of the original group that founded our church. And we can be praying for Kathy in the days ahead. Um, they're five, they have five children. They have 11 grandchildren. And many of you will know Hart because Hart for years served as one of the leaders of our father-daughter and father-son trips as a church. And um, he just loved the Lord. He served um, faithfully and uh, we're going to miss him. And so if you would like to be part of that memorial, it's this Friday, uh, right here in this room at 11 a.m. So please mark that on your calendar. Would you join us this Friday at 11 here in this room as we remember heart? And uh, you can imagine that the Waldy family is grieving, right? How do they approach God in their grief? And so that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about lament. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for the Waldy family. I want to Pray for our time together and, and ask God to come and move at today in a beautiful way. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there was just a, a lot that happened in the first service, and I'm still thinking about a lot of it. And um, Lord, uh, grateful that you're coming and you've got so much grace for us and you've got so much love for us. And Lord, I just want to begin by receiving that grace and love we all, just with our hands here, we're just open before you. Our hearts are open. We receive your grace, your forgiveness, your love, your mercy. And Lord, we come uh, in our grief and our sadness, in our confusion and our loneliness, and we pray that you would teach us how to lament, teach us how to approach you. And Lord, we specifically think of the Waldy family, and God, we pray your comfort on them. We pray your peace, your strength, your hope for them. Lord, we pray for Kathy specifically, that you would watch over her, that you would encourage her during such a difficult time. 
And may she feel just surrounded by us as a community, by her friends, by her family. And we just pray that the whole Waldy family, all five kids, all 11 grandkids, Lord, would just sense your love during these difficult days. So God, we come to you here. Would you teach us? Would you open our eyes? We want to see you. Teach us how to worship you. Amen. Some of you may have read uh, the book Silence by Shisaku Endo. A few years ago, it was made into a film which was directed by Martin Scorsese. It's a powerful story of suffering that Japanese Christians experienced in the 1600s. For those of you who might be new to Jesus, uh, it might interest you to know that in the 1600s, Christians in Japan went through uh, incredible persecution. And the novel is about two Portuguese priests who travel to Japan, and while they're there, they're confronted by the awful persecution and suffering of Japanese Christians. And they're confronted by, quote-unquote, the silence of God, or what feels like the silence of God. And in the novel, Father Rodriguez says this, quote, Already 20 years have passed since the persecution broke out. The black soil of Japan has been filled with the lament of so many Christians. The red blood of priests has flowed profusely. The walls of churches have fallen down. And in the face of this terrible and merciless sacrifice offered up to him, God has remained silent. The lament of so many Christians. Today, what do we do when we feel like God has remained silent. Notice I'm saying feel, like many of you, if you're like me, we like to jump to glass being half full. We jump to optimism. We're quick to joy, we're quick to hope, right? But there are many moments which, in which we feel. It's like we know, so intellectually in our head, we're like, no, 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 I know God you're there. I know God you love me. I know you're here with me. But what is it that we're actually feeling? We feel like God is gone. We feel like God has left us. We feel like he has remained silent in some of our most difficult times. We've been walking through hardship. We never got the job. We never married the person we hoped to. We never fully recovered from the accident. Our loved one is still sick, even after all the prayers offered up in faith. Our loved ones still passed away, even after all the prayers offered up in faith. Our child no longer loves Jesus. Our friend refuses to reconcile. Our body is still in pain. What do we do? How are we supposed to interact with a God of love? A God that has promised to be, he's supposed to be, our protector, our provider, our defender, and our friend. Because deep down, if we're honest, we feel like he forgot about us. We look around and we see the way in he that he works in other people's lives. We see their healing or their reconciliation or the great job they get or whatever it is. The fact that they don't seem to be lonely, but not us. And we feel like he's not listening. We feel his silence. Sufjan Stevens sings about unanswered prayer. Prayers offered up to God for healing for a friend who had cancer. And he sings this. 
Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. All the glory when he took our place, but he took my shoulders and he shook my face, and he takes and he takes and he takes. Sufyan is articulating the pain of unanswered prayer for healing. He knows the gift of the cross, that on the cross God placed that that was the place where God has healed us, but it feels like God just takes, takes, and takes. When a trial hits, we're tempted to pull away from God and others. When a trial hits, we're tempted to pull away from God and others. But today, I want to encourage us to learn how to lament. I want us to learn how to turn toward God within our deepest pain, our deepest loneliness, and our deepest disappointments. To turn to God with honest worship, with honest prayers. I want us to learn how to lament. All right. What is lament? Lament is a song of mourning or sorrow. Very simply, a song of mourning or sorrow. To lament is to come before God in a raw way with all of our questions. It is a form of prayer and worship. It's real. It's honest. To lament is to keep the phone line open or free, right, between you and God. Lament is not kind of hanging up the phone, turning away from God in bitterness, but it's turning towards God and engaging with him. In relationship. And I want to read some lament here. And just so you know, the Psalms uh, in the Bible are uh, filled with lament. And just so you know, the 150 Psalms, if you're new to the Bible, right in the middle of your Bible is a book of the Bible called the Psalms. Psalms. And Psalms, there's 150 of them. And they were like the hymnal. They were like the worship book for the people of Israel. And Within the Psalms, are, there's lots of lament. So let me just give you a few examples. Listen to Psalm 44. Awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Just, just a reminder, oftentimes we, you know, we have our coffee, we read our Bible early in the morning, And we read a psalm like this early in the morning to ourselves, silently, in our head, right? But that's not how these were normally prayed or sung. These were sung corporately in Israel, right? You can imagine gathering in a synagogue and everyone singing Psalm 44 together. Imagine singing those words. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Together, singing it together. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep, you know? Our worship songs don't sound like this today. Think of Psalm 73. This is one of my favorite psalms. It's it's a lament on why the ungodly seem so healthy and strong. I mean, like everyone who's following God, like they're going through a difficult time, but you look at all the wicked and they're like doing really well and you're like, what God, what does this mean? Listen, this is what the wicked are like. Always care, free of care. And they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishments. 
Again, these psalms, are the, these psalms are the worship book for the people of Israel. They would sing these songs together. Did you know that in the Bible, there's an entire book called Lamentations? It's a, one solid book called Lamentations. It's a whole book of the Bible on lament. Speaking on lament in the Psalms, Bono says this, quote, Really, this is the tradition of the Psalms of David, which offer an honest dialogue with God. I always wondered why was David so beloved of God? I think it was probably honesty. Because in a lot of the Psalms, he's really given out. Where are you when you're need, needed? Call yourself God? Look, I'm surrounded by my enemies. You got me into this. Get me out of here. It's so direct. I think it's very important that people feel able to address God from whatever state they're in, whether that's devotion or anger. Both are present here. See, notice biblical prayers are honest prayers. They're honest. And what does it look like to come to God with some honesty? Some of you will know that when, when we teach on prayer, there's a couple um, passages of the Bible that I, I find very interesting. Uh, when we talk about keeping our prayers, our dialogue with God, honest, which really is worship, right? Worship is prayers that are sung. So what does it look like to stay honest? Well, listen to Moses. He, he writes this, Numbers 11. Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Pause, just a second. For any of you frustrated with people, and you just want to be introverted and get rid of these frustrating people around you, right? Many of us just went to work or went to family, Thanksgiving, whatever it was. This is, Numbers 11 is for you, okay? Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes. If I found favor in your eyes, kill me. And do not let me face my own ruin. Numbers 11. This is Moses. Look at that intimacy of relationship we had with God. He was, he was honest, right? Or listen to the honesty of the prophet Jeremiah. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. Okay, pause right there. Imagine us singing a worship song here. You deceive me, Lord, and I was deceived. We're just like, what are we singing here in this church, <laughs> right? You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. See, I think the biblical writers, the people of Israel, many of Jesus' followers, they knew how to lament, and I worry that we don't. When we're frustrated with God, when we're angry with God, when we're disappointed with God, it's not time to pull away. It's the opposite. It's time to engage with a deeper honesty because it's relationship. And just so you know, I know, like when you say like, God, where are you? You must be sleeping. Theologically, we know that's not true. God doesn't take naps. Right? It's not like God just suddenly like, I'm just going to forget about you for a while. We know intellectually, theologically, it's not true. But like, what we're doing here is we're being honest about emotion, right? Because it's relationship. And relationship requires honesty. Think about parenting for a second. Unhealthy parenting is to ignore the emotions in our children. Healthy parenting 
is to be okay when things are not always okay. Or to be okay with, with things not being okay. I am not great at that. I, I, I need to learn quickly uh, how to be better at this. Because I'm often quick optimist, quick glasses half full kind of person. I always want to skip to the end, go to the joy, go to the hope, right? But to sit in some of those feelings for a bit, it's difficult for me. And especially with my kids. But it seems like good parents lean in and care and listen to their children when their children are mad, sad, disappointed, angry, lonely, and feel like we as parents have let them down. And we, we're sinful earthly parents, and we know that's important. <laughs> how much more does our Heavenly Father know how important that is? We know that a child's freedom to be honest and open with their parents is healthy. Why? Because the, the phone line is open. It's free, right? It's because the child wants to talk. There's dialogue. There's the opportunity for healing and relationship. Many in the room, you know the pain of having children who have hung up and they've walked away. They no longer want relationship with their parents. Shunned. And that's devastating. That's devastating. But when you have a child coming to you saying, but it feels like this and I'm mad and I'm upset for these reasons, well, then the line is open, right? And there's opportunity to talk. There's opportunity for relationship. The child is no longer pulling away from the parents, but coming to their parents in their grief. The child is not shunning the parents in bitterness, The child is coming, and it's hard for the parents, right? Because the child's coming honest and open and broken and hurting and in need of answers. But good, good, because there's relationship there. There's opportunity there. There's dialogue there, right? And so how much more is this true with our Heavenly Father? Does He not long for our hearts? Does he not care for us when we're mad, sad, disappointed, angry, lonely, and feel like he's let us down? Because the one option is, see it, God. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to worship you. I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to follow you, right? And then the wall comes down, right? But what does God want? Okay, take that mad, take that sad, take that lonely, take that empty, and come to me. Tell me all about it. Tell me all about it. Of course, he wants to hear from us. One of the most powerful songs of lament for me personally, um, which has really helped me in a couple of difficult times, has been a song by Rich Mullins, Christian singer-songwriter. He wrote a song called Hard to Get. And he, and he sings to God saying, will those who mourn be left uncomforted while you're up there just playing hard to get? It's raw, it's honest, it's real, it's prayer, it's worship. To lament is to lean in with honesty rather than pull away in bitterness from the God who loves us. Um, There's uh, two Latin phrases which I've explained multiple times here at the church that have always helped me. Um, They they were first used in the fifth century by St. Augustine and then they were used during the time of the Reformation by Martin Luther. 
But um, one phrase is in Latin is incurvatus inse. Incurvatus inse, it just means curved in upon the self. That this, this life is the life of sin and a life that leads to profound loneliness and pain. So what it is, is it's to turn inward upon the self. It's to turn away from others, away from God, and in on the self. And so it's to be caught up in my own bitterness, my own narcissism, my own pride, ego, whatever it is, to nurse my own wounds, and all of that is just a cycle inward and downward. So I pull away from people that love me, I pull away from the God who loves me, and I cycle inward into the self and downward. And the only feedback I'm getting is my own thoughts, which, I don't know, I think if we're honest, not good at times, right? All the self-thoughts, and we curve inward and downward. But that the life of God is, in Latin, it's ex curvatus exe. So it's a life curved outward and that moves upward, meaning... I literally, I move outward. I, I live a life exposed to God and others. What does that mean? It's that I love God and love my neighbor, and I receive the love of God and the love of my neighbor. I'm, I'm, I'm literally exposed to community and to God, right? And this is the importance of community. But as I do, I'm curving upward and outward. I'm not trusting my own thoughts, my own bitterness, my own narcissism, my own pride, my own idea of what is right. No, I'm like open to God and I'm open to feedback. I'm open to my community. And what that does is I move upward and outward in health and freedom. Ex curvatus exe, rather than in curvatus inse. One is the life of sin, the other is the life of God. And what does lament do? Lament goes, God, <laughs> I need you. Where are you? Right? Whereas in Kravata Sensei, it's like, yeah, he must hate me. Or he must not be there. God must not be real. And you curve inward and downward. Does that make sense? To lament is to lean in with honesty rather than pull away in bitterness from the God who loves us. And I want to give just three really quick stories from the New Testament. And these stories don't, are not often categorized as lament, but they are lament. Okay, so really quick, three stories. Number one, it, first story happens in Luke 7, where John the Baptist, he's in prison. And he's literally about to have his head cut off. But he sees Jesus hanging out with some odd people. Like Jesus is hanging out with like a Roman centurion and saying to the Roman centurion, you have great faith greater than any I've seen in all of Israel. Well, you can imagine John the Baptist is in prison, you know, in Herod's prison, who's a puppet of the Roman Empire, going, Jesus, you're out there like, like saying, well done, centurions? <laughs> How does that make any sense? Aren't you the king? Aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you supposed to clean the Romans out? Aren't you supposed to bring renewal to Israel? What are you doing? You're hanging out with the wrong people. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one who's to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now notice, what, how does this lament? When everything around you is not turning out the way it should, we go, God, are you powerful? Are you really doing what you said you would do? Or is there someone else who can get it done? It's lament. Am I supposed to put my hope somewhere else? Because you said you would fix this. 
You promised you would do it. Why is it not happening? Should we expect someone else? Second story takes place in Mark chapter 4. We join Jesus in a storm with the disciples. They're on the Sea of Galilee, and there's this massive storm, and the ship is about to, like, crack or, you know, whatever, dash upon the rocks or something like that, and the disciples are afraid. And they're like, where's Jesus? And where is he? He's asleep. Yeah, he's asleep at the bottom of the boat. He's asleep. And, and so what do they do? They go down and they say this. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus, wake up. You're sleeping when we're about to drown. Don't you care if we drown? Would you ever sing that or pray that? Jesus, wake up. Do you care if I drown? It's lament. Story number three. It's from John 11. John 11, um, Jesus is good friends with um, some siblings named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are very concerned because Lazarus is about to die. And so they send word to Jesus. They're like, our brother is about to die. But Jesus seems to take his time before he comes to their town, Bethany. They live in a town called Bethany. And they're like, why is he delaying? And then by the time Jesus gets to their village, Lazarus is dead. And I've resonated with Mary who comes to Jesus and says this. She says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. It's lament, right? Say, where were you? Why did it take so long? What was the delay? because Because we know that God, with one word, God could heal. With one, ger- one, one, one word, God could restore, right? He could fix it. You can fix it all with just one powerful word. So where are you? Where were you? See, here's the deal. In a tragedy, we have two options. Here's what I think. I think, I think we only have two options. You might disagree, but here the, here's what goes through my mind when a difficult time hits. Number one, we can go, okay, uh, if God is a loving God, and something unloving happens, then God must not exist, right? And the world is meaningless then, and there is no ultimate purpose to life. And so this tragedy is just, is, it is what it is. We're all animals. It just is a bad thing. It just happened. There is no God. There is no meaning. Option one. Or option two, there is a God. And therefore, there's a purpose, there's a point to life. And that God loves us, but tragic things happen that we just can't make sense of in this life. Because there are tragic things we just don't understand. We just can't comprehend them. But you really just have two options. So one would be, to put the phone down and walk away from God. Forget it. I'm done. And the other would be, God, this makes no sense. This makes me angry. This makes me so sad. But I'm not going to stop loving you. I'm not going to stop coming close to you. So when I lament, I'm holding on to God 
as God holds on to me. When I lament, I'm holding on to God as God holds on to me. And just, you know, the image of that is one of a father, right? He's actually got us up in his arms. But we're just holding down. We're just like that little child, just holding on to whatever we can find, right? Even though the songs are raw, they're vulnerable, they're honest, it's important that I turn to my father, not away from him. And when the disciples heard Jesus say some hard things, it's very interesting. Did you know that there are moments when many would turned away from Jesus. Jesus just said some things that were too hard for people. And thousands, there was one incident where thousands walked away from Jesus. And Jesus turns to his disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? It's a real moment of vulnerability for Jesus. He says, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter says, Lord, uh, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And now sometimes it's like, oh, well, that was the Sunday school answer, Right? But I don't think so. I think Peter's literally like, we got nowhere else to go. (laughs) We got nowhere else to go. Where else would we go? This is hard. This is difficult, Jesus, to hear you teach this kind of stuff. But where else are we going to go? And that's that's where we find ourselves with lament. Where else are we going to go? Jesus has life and life to the full. And so we've got to keep coming back to him to understand, to seek to go deeper in our relationship with him, even when we don't get it. So to lament is to lean in with honesty rather than pull away in bitterness from the God who loves us. And I wonder if we wonder if we're allowed to pray these prayers. Do they not feel disrespectful? I feel it. I feel like it's disrespectful. I, I grew up in the, in the South, in the, in the United States, right? And so I grew up saying to my dad uh, and to my mom, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, to, to, to my grandparents, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Um, I, once, I, I think I had one of my kids do that to me one time, and Tanya was like, no, we're not doing that in our family. <laughs> yes, sir. Did you say yes, sir? Yes, sir. That's very Southern, Right? And, but, but, why, but I feel like it's like disrespectful to come to God that way. Instead, I'm just supposed to receive what he does and just say, yes, sir, right? But notice Jesus. Jesus never rebukes any of these people from saying any of these things. Jesus welcomes honest questions. Jesus, are you the one to come? Or should we be expecting someone else? Because I'm in prison about to have my head cut off. Should we expect someone else? Teacher, notice the storm? You're sleeping. Do you not care if we drown? Jesus, had you been here in Bethany, my brother would not have died. And in all three of these stories, Jesus welcomes their honest cries of pain, worry, and disappointment. He never rebukes them. So when we come to God... In worship through lament, what are we doing? We're wrestling. That's what we're doing. We're wrestling. We're struggling. And did you know that the word Israel is connected to the idea of struggling and wrestling? Some of you will remember the story from Genesis 32 where a man named Jacob spends all night wrestling, struggling with God, right? 
He's about to see his, his brother who he is not reconciled with. Last time they saw each other, not good, right? So he's about to see his brother Esau again. And he spends the whole night wrestling with God. And what, and what happens? God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Why? Because he struggled with God. And the people of Israel, that was their name, right? Israel, right? That name, God's people, their name was a reminder that they were permissioned to wrestle with God. They were permissioned to struggle with God. And it wouldn't be disrespectful. It would be relationship. And they were going to do it together, which is the importance of community. Are you in a community of people here at the church that you can say, I'm wrestling with this stuff. I feel so abandoned by God. I feel like he's not listening. Do you have people you wrestle with this together? We have, we have a um, program at our church called uh, The Bereavement Journey, and it's for anyone who has lost someone in, the, in, in their life, someone they love. And what do we do? We get together in community to talk about the grief, to talk about just why. Why has this happened? The pain, the sadness. So this is what we do in community. So to be God's people is to wrestle with God. To be honest that his promises have not yet come through. To, to be honest that at times we feel like he's asleep. To be honest that at times we feel like he is standing far away. Psalm 10 why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? I'm literally in a time of trouble, God, and I can't find you. Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And so in worship, let me ask you, are you and I being honest? Are you and I being honest in worship? I wonder if in Christian circles we pressure one another to be happy, right? Just to have, that all of our songs have to be happy. They all have to have joy, right? They all have to resolve beautifully at the end. It's like that Bobby McFerrin tune from the 1980s. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Yeah, I wasn't on pitch, but that was it. Yeah, in every life we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double, don't worry. There you go, there you go. Have you heard the next verse? I honestly, I feel like I've missed that verse. A couple years ago, I pointed this out, but this is crazy, this verse. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. The landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Do you guys remember this verse? No, I don't ever remember hearing this on the radio. I mean, man, if your landlord is going to litigate, worry a little. <laughs> worry a little. Just a little bit of worry. You should probably pay your rent, right? I wonder, but if in Christian circles, we're pressuring one another, right, to go quick to the optimism, quick to the glass half full, Bobby McFerrin happy style, right? But there are times where even though we know God has not left us, what do we do when we feel like God has remained silent? 
And again, we never got the job. The marriage was difficult. The pain remains. The sickness did not go away. What do we do? Let me invite you to lament. Walter Kaiser writes this, quote, lament forces us to deal with suffering by directing our despair, not away from God, but towards him. It also performs the pastoral work of comforting us without downplaying the human realities of suffering and pain. Do you remember those rocks that we used at Lent? And it, it represented a burden, right? And what did we do on Good Friday? We brought those stones and we placed them at the foot of the cross. That's what lament is doing. We're taking all of it and we're empty. We're just going here. God, this is what I feel here. I let go. And only when we let go are we able to receive. Only when we let go and place it at the foot of the cross can we receive. Remember, this is what Jesus did on the cross. Remember the cross. When Jesus hung on a cross, he cried out with a lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I know many of you in the room know that's a psalm. Did you know it's the first line of a psalm? Psalm 22. Jesus is crying out a lament. Psalm 22, verse 1. God, why have you forsaken me? Now, two quick things. First of all, Jesus, who is God, knows that God has not forsaken him, ultimately. Why? Because second thing, Psalm 22, if you read the psalm, ends with God vindicating the suffering one, right? Read the end of Psalm 22. God has not forsaken the suffering one, right? That's how Psalm 22 ends. Jesus knows the psalm. He knows that in the end, right, God is gonna do something amazing, right? Jesus will be vindicated, but what does he do? What is he feeling? Jesus has to cry out that lament to his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God feel, the father feels far from Jesus at that moment. Jesus knew the father wasn't far away, but he felt it. He felt the need to lament. Listen, Northangley, this is not the end. This is not the end, right? Whatever pain, suffering, disappointments we have, they don't have the final word. As Christians, we have a deep hope that God will make all things new one day. Listen to that hope. Revelation 21, the second to last chapter in the entire Bible, we read this. He, that's God, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We have to remember the whole story. In the end, the old order of things will will pass away. No more tears, no more sadness, loneliness, pain, brokenness, none of it, right? Our disappointments, though, today, they fall between the first and the final resurrection. Our sadness, loneliness, pain, brokenness, they happen, it happens in a context. It happens right here in this middle place in this weird middle desert place called the already not yet, (laughs) between resurrection number one and the final resurrection. But today, in that in-between place, we can worship God through lament. Even though we have hope of no more tears one day, today we're invited to come with lament. God welcomes our honesty, and so I want to ask, would you be honest today? 
Here as we worship, would you be honest? Listen to your tears. Your tears are saying something important. In our most difficult moments, God is not a father who pushes our sadness down. He wants to hear from his children. And so here in a minute, as you come before God, I want you to remember something a friend once said to me. Matthew, you are God's good idea. And I want to say that to each of you in the room. If I could look at all your eyes. You are God's good idea. You're God's good idea. He knows what you're walking through. He knows everything that you're experiencing. And he wants to hear from his children. Can we stand together? What we're about to do is we're going to sing two songs of lament. And to be really honest, uh, I was thinking about just doing one song. <laughs> because these two songs are a little uncomfortable to sing. And I want to, I want to let you know, uh, I don't think any of you in the room know the two songs we're about to sing. Um, I mentioned in the first service that if any of you do know these songs, I'll give you $10. And... Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and revoke that. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's just a little worried. <laughs> but I don't think you know these, and that's important, because the next two songs, just you know, if you're new to Jesus, we're all learning these together. Um, it's important when we first learn a song, the words are very clear to us, right? Once we sing it, once we get really familiar with a, a song, it's kind of like we forget the power of the words. But both these two songs are new, and they're both true songs of lament. And we don't have very many lament songs. But these are two, and they're going to give us an opportunity to, to pray and sing honestly. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually ask the, the prayer team uh, not to come forward. I want the prayer team to pray these as well. We're just going to stay right here. We're going to sing these two songs of lament, and then our final song, the third song, will be a song a little bit more of hope, and the prayer team will come forward on that third song. But with these first two songs of lament, would you just stay in this spot and just come to God laying down your honest prayers before him. Two quick things. The first song we're singing, it's going to be hard to sing. The lyrics are, wake up, Jesus. But in your mind, go to Mark 4. You're in a storm. And many of you are in a storm today, some kind of storm in your life. And you're on the boat and the wind is blowing, and the rain's coming down. And you're like, Jesus, would you please wake up? Would you please wake up? And the second song um, is a song of waiting, right? And the line in that second song is going to be, how long, O Lord? And so many of you in the room are just waiting. You're waiting for God to answer prayer. And so that song's for you. How long, O Lord? How long? Would you close your eyes? Let's spend a moment in prayer here as we worship. As we come to the Lord, um, our prayer team gave a word this morning, uh, which is the word famished, famished. That oftentimes in our broken relationships, where we experience loss of affection and trust, we're famished. We're starving for love, for trust, for healing. And maybe that's you, and you're feeling just empty. Would you come to God in that place? And say, Lord, I need you. I need your love. I need healing. I need your presence. I need your affection. I need healing, total healing.
Proverbs 10.3 says, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. So Lord Jesus, we come to you. And God, I pray that you would teach us to come to you with honesty. And all of the difficult things that are in our heart right now, we lay before you. And as we sing these songs of lament, would you somehow, in some way, draw us to yourself. Amen.